1: This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables.
2: Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to take a moment to welcome members of our military who are joining us again via the Internet. Thank you for your service to our country and for your many emails and letters my guest today was once one of the most revered power brokers in washington dc and knows more about how money and lobbying shape public policy than any other individual in america in just a moment lobbyist and businessman jack abramoff will be joining us but before he does let me say that abramoff's story might remind you of the film catch me if you can the story of mastermind frank Abagnale who in a remarkable turn of events put his skills to work for the FBI catching other counterfeiters and who also helped reform bank security for three decades. When it comes to tracing the influence money has on policymakers, many feel there is no one more qualified to effect reform than Jack Abramoff, who knows every trick in the book donors and lobbyists use to court favor with elected officials. And today, Abramoff is fighting to close loopholes, which make it legal for millions of dollars to flow into the coffers of PACs and campaign funds. Before Abramoff joins us today, I want to mention that he earned his undergraduate degree from Brandeis University and his law degree from Georgetown, While in college, Abramoff was chairman of the Massachusetts Alliance of College Republicans, which organized student support for Reagan's 1980 campaign. He remained active in politics throughout his decade-long career in Hollywood as a producer, where he worked on the films Red Scorpion and Red Scorpion Two. In 1994, Abramoff put his business skills to use as a lobbyist for Seattle law firm Preston, Gates & Ellis. Then in 2001, he joined the government relations division of Washington, D.C. law firm Greenberg Traurig, where he proved himself an adept fundraiser for conservative candidates. The rest is history. Like all things Abramoff had tackled before, he insisted on being the best. He took the laws which govern lobbying to their very limit, and then he took one step over that limit, and that was that. Abramoff served 43 months in federal prison for that overreach. But today, Abramoff is back to fix the very system which makes corruption legal in America. And you're not only going to be surprised to hear what he has to say in the next hour, but also why it is unexpected heroes like Jack Abramoff who may well hold the key to real reform. It's my pleasure to welcome to the program today a courageous lobbyist turned whistleblower, Mr. Jack Abramoff. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Abramoff.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Now, I don't want to spend a, a lot of time on the past, but you know, to some extent, it has prepared you to be more qualified than anyone else to explain just how lobbyists use legal means to shape policy. So, so let's start there. What do you say to folks who claim that big donors and PACs have always made large contributions to the coffers of candidates that they support? So this isn't really anything new.
3: Well, I don't I don't say it's anything new. I think it's been going on uh, uh from time immemorial that uh people have used money and resources to influence and many times improperly influence people who have to make decisions and when those people who are making the decisions are government employees, uh then you sort of get into a really uh, murky area but it's certainly not a new thing. Uh this has been unfortunately going on for a long time in and every and, and in every place. But you have to
2: admit the the extent the the proportions have gotten somewhat exaggerated
3: well, yes, indeed. I mean, like like everything in our world, everything gets supersized, and so to some degree, uh, this, this uh, behavior is also supersized. And I, I think, unfortunately, as the federal government uh, kind of expanded itself beyond any boundary uh, that was ever conceived uh, when the country was founded, or even, frankly, even 50 years ago, uh, when that started happening, it opened up opportunities for lobbyists and special interests. Uh, that they really i guess didn 't realize before, and even recently I, I you know when I was lobbying. Uh, which, uh, of course, I haven't been lobbying now for, gosh, 10 years. But Mm -hmm. when I was lobbying, uh, it was just at the beginning where corporations could realize that they could use the federal government as an offensive tool, meaning offense versus defensive tool, uh, in their businesses. And so that's opened up even recently, much more activity.
2: But as I understand it, and again, I'm a layman, uh, isn't it a lobbyist's job to represent their clients' interests by using whatever legal means they can find?
3: Well absolutely i mean that that is indeed their job the lobbyists are the people who represent interest in petitioning the government in the same way that a lawyer will represent a client and going to trial or court, a lobbyist represents somebody in Congress. And there's nothing necessarily, by the way, wrong with that. The problem is the way the rules are written. And of course, the problem is the very small percentage of those like me uh, who went over the boundary of the rules. But you actually don't even need to go near the boundary of the rules to be utterly and completely corrupt and contemptuous in this regime. And the problem is the way the laws are drawn, that the lobbyists take. Advantage of it. I mean, it's obviously uh, that's uh, that's their own business, I guess. But uh, unfortunately, the way the laws are drawn is the first problem.
2: Do you feel our laws are too porous regarding contributions from large corporations and individuals?
3: Well i think they 're absolutely porous uh, porous is uh, is almost an understatement. You can drive trucks through some of these loopholes um, that enable special interests of all kinds, not just corporations by the way individuals uh, foundations unions everybody is in this game uh, to take advantage of using their money and their resources to create power, to create results. And that, that is throughout the system and unfortunately virtually every one of the rules has too many loopholes in them.
2: So let me ask you this. Your case was a widely publicized case. Um, since your trial and conviction, do you see that any measures were put into place to monitor and restrict lobbyists and, and, bring, and, and perhaps close up some of these holes.
3: Yeah, there were there was a um, uh, a bill that was put through a couple of years, actually about a year after I went to prison in 2006, called Honest uh, Leadership and Government Act. HALOGA is uh, um, what, what it's referred to, and he, and it was a good you know attempt to try to do something. But the problem is, I think unfortunately the lobbyists uh, delight in the fact that only marginal. Measures are usually attempted. Instead of systemic, you know, root and branch change, in the past, I think the reform community has focused itself on doing what it felt was possible and in getting, in some cases, scraps from the table, felt they got some victories, but unfortunately, they've left far too many loopholes in these laws and the lobbies can run right through them and they do.
2: In in some ways, it feels to me like it would be very difficult to attack a institutionalized uh, flaw, particularly a systemic one, by trying to isolate certain components of the problem and the misdoing and just dealing with those individual components. Systemic problems don't give way when they're attacked piece by piece.
3: I think that's absolutely right. What what I've been doing uh, of late and really for the last year or so, working with some of the reform groups now, is trying to put together, and we in fact have put together the first draft of a piece of legislation that starts at the base of the philosophy um, of government, which is that private parties seeking things from the government for their own special interests should not either themselves or through their lobbyists be able to give to government servants anything of monetary value whether it's a political contribution whether it's tickets to a ball game whatever it is uh, that that in fact is bribery whether it's intended as such or taken as such, that it's indeed bribery and it needs to be removed. So that is a premise uh, of the legislation, the American Anti-Corruption Act, which we're trying to launch, um, is one of the foundations of of that act. There are other foundations, which I'm sure we'll get to in our discussion. But bringing us back to what the actual core philosophy is, I think is the best way to craft changes in our systems so that they're effective and that they're not just bandages on on a bleeding wound.
2: I agree with you completely. I think these are systemic issues. And again, uh, when you have a systemic issue, it doesn't matter who you plug into that system. Eventually, they become part of the system. And if it's a corrupt system, then corruption continues. Um, We have to take a short commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about laws which must be changed in order to affect real change. You're listening to the Costa Report.
1: This Legal Minute is brought to you by Nolan, Hammerley Etienne, and Haas. Experienced attorneys providing professional legal services to the Central Coast for 85 years.
4: Hello, this is attorney Stephen Wagner with your Legal Minute. Have you ever said to yourself there ought to be a law for that? Well, often there is. In this segment, I will address the issue of social media and hiring practices and specifically the potential employer's right to snoop around in social media networks to gather information about the potential employee. From the employer's perspective, social networking sites must seem like a treasure trove or petri dish, overflowing with valuable information. The hot button legal issue that has arisen recently relates to the employer's request or worse yet demand for the candidate's password and or username. It is this conduct by the employer that has sparked outcry and controversy based on privacy rights and this has led to legislation and the enactment of laws that now prohibit employers from making such demands or requests. Such is the case in California and several other states. It would now seem that the lid has been placed back on the Petri dish. However, it is important to note that employers still have a right to access all public information. That is, anything the potential or current employee chooses to share, publish, or make public. In other words, these laws do not protect job seekers from their own stupidity or indiscretions that they decide to gloat about by publishing their escapades on the World Wide Web. So it seems that discretion is still the better part of valor. This is Stephen Wagner, and that's your Legal Minute.
1: Brought to you by Nolan, Hammerly, Etienne & Haas. Selected in 2013 as one of the top law firms in the United States by Martindale-Hubble.
5: Set!
4: Run, run, run as fast as you can. You'll never catch me. I'm the lion's marathon man. Slip on the running shoes, Central Coast. It's time for a run in the woods. Hello, I'm Lion Gary Benito. Join me and all your friends, 8 a.m., this Saturday, June 1st, for the annual Lions-Nicene Marks Marathon. Register right now at active.com. Get out of the house for one of the most beautiful runs on the West Coast this Saturday, June 1st. That's the Lions Club-Nicene Marks Marathon. Register now at active.com.
1: The Lions-Nicene Marks Marathon is brought to you in part by Fleet Feet Sports, Brooks Running Shoes, Lighthouse Bank, ANB Insurance Services, Pacific Gardens Chapel, KSCO and KOMY Radio, and Cardiff Pest Control.
4: Run, run, run as fast as you can. You can catch me at the Nicene Marks Marathon. Register today at active.com. That's active.com.
6: For the last 60 years, Coast Paper and Supply has been serving locals and businesses for all their cleaning and paper supply needs. With an 1,800-square-foot showroom and nearly 5,000 products, you'll find everything you're looking for in the way of janitorial supplies, retail and industrial packaging, and disposable food service products for business or home, not to mention their huge selection of boxes and shipping supplies. Their family-owned and operated business is located at 151 Josephine on River Street in Santa Cruz. Call 831-423-3350 or visit Coast Paper Supply Inc.com, a proud member of Think Local First.
1: Tune in to the Sentinel Radio Program Saturday morning at 8 a.m. right here on AM 1080 KSCO. Brought to you by First Church of Christ Scientist Monterey. Come into our Christian Science Community Reading Room and Bookstore and find comfort from the challenges you're facing. We have the resources that will connect you with your God-given substance. Find help now. Our address is 780 Abrego Street in Monterey. Reach out for this help today. Come in and visit or call 831-372-5076. 372-5076 six.
2: Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Mr. Jack Abramoff. Now, one of the reforms you've advocated is to make it illegal for a former elected official to become a lobbyist. Can you talk about that for a moment?
3: Yes, actually, in my book, I advocate that People who work on Capitol Hill, public servants, basically anybody drawing a check from the federal government, should not be able to join the influence industry, become a lobbyist. Um, unfortunately, uh, as we've been working on the uh, uh, the project of getting legislation together, the lawyers, particularly constitutional experts, have made the point that, and I guess had I paid better attention in law school, <laughs> I might have noticed this myself, uh, that you can't really put a lifetime ban like that on. So the compromise that we have come up with is a 10-year ban, which they feel is the most that the courts would allow in terms of an employment uh, prohibition. So what 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 we're trying to do, basically, is prevent the revolving door. People from coming to Washington and working in the government and then cashing in and making the many millions which Americans resent the making, basically, off the benefit of that experience. So let's uh,
2: say I'm a public official and I don't call myself a lobbyist. I call myself a consultant for a corporation.
3: ah, Very good. You have brought up another provision of the bill, which is what is a lobbyist? And this became a big discussion during the presidential campaign. If member remember Newt Gingrich, uh, who in fact was a lobbyist, but legally did not register as a lobbyist.
2: No, he, was, way, a he was a consultant.
3: He was a—he actually <laughs> called himself a history professor, <laughs> a highly paid history professor. And, That's right. Uh, uh, These—these are—they call themselves strategic advisors and consultants. And, and it's not just Newt Gingrich. Obviously, Tom Daschle. And really, if you look at it right now, almost every member of Congress coming out of the Congress is not a lobbyist. They're all strategic advisors. Now, why is that? It's because the Lobbying Disclosure Act of 1995, the thing that sort of defines for us, not sort of, but actually defines for us who is a lobbyist, says that if you don't spend more than 20% of your time working for a client in actual lobbying, you're not a lobbyist. Well, I got to tell you, when I was a lobbyist. I guess I wasn't a lobbyist because I never spent more than 10 percent of my time actually going up and lobbying Congress. Most of it is in putting together the strategies and, and the press efforts and all the rest of it.
2: Do so, they count the time to you to spend play? on the golf course with the, with the members <laughs> of Congress? Is that lobbying or is that playing well, golf?
3: It's interesting. It depends what you're <laughs> talking about. Maybe it depends on how well you're doing. I have no idea. But, uh, but this loophole is Escaping. It's actually so bad that the American League of Lobbyists, which is actually a group of lobbyists who've come together somehow to band together, they even they think that this needs to be reformed. And, and what our reform proposes is that if you're paid and you go up to lobby, even one time you go up to lobby as a paid employee, you register. And you're a lobbyist, and all these things would then apply to you.
2: Okay, so that sounds like a good idea in theory. Now let's pick it apart. Uh, So I never go up on the hill to lobby. I just have people over for dinner. I take them out uh, on the golf course and play a nice 18 rounds with them. Uh, I just don't go up down the hill to lobby.
3: Well, it's it's actually not jurisdictional. It's not where location. <laughs> was. It, it's you could be on the on the golf course and out with the congressman and playing golf and never talk about any issue. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, and then you're like, is that lobbying? No, that's not lobbying. But the okay. minute you raise an issue with them you're lobbying them. Now, the definition of lobbying, though, has to be more expansive than that. The definition of lobbying now must include all of those efforts that go to prepare the lobbying effort, whether it's media or anything else like that. And by the way, we already have a set of laws in place that deal with this. It's called the Foreign Agent Registration Act. And that's uh, that's the provision under which one has to register if one's lobbying, say, for a foreign government. There, anything you do, whether you go up and talk to a member or not, you're registered. That's what we need for lobbyists.
2: Okay, is it just me or does this feel really squishy?
3: Sorry? Does, what does it
2: feel, to feel squishy it? to you? Does it, does it feel like the, these are slippery snakes and they slip out of your hand just the minute you try to grab them?
3: Oh, absolutely. And uh, they're clever. (laughs) Don't forget who comes to Washington. The most clever of the clever and sometimes the most crooked of the crooked. And so this is an ongoing fight. The best thing we can do is make laws at least that get the obvious things and then leave it to some degree to the FBI and the Justice Department, who frankly do a very thorough job at going after those people who are playing on the margins.
2: Now, you must have been pretty astonished when you saw the kind of money that was being spent on this last presidential election. Uh, A few weeks ago, Russ Feingold was here, and we had an opportunity to revisit McCain-Feingold, and he had a lot to say about the Citizens United ruling and how that that was steps backwards where election reform was concerned. I take it you'd agree with him?
3: Well, I agree in part. Um, What I have a problem with Citizens United, my, my real problem with Citizens United has to do with the theme that I'm using, which is that people shouldn't be able to use money to buy results from the government. And I believe the justices really did not give enough weight to the effect that money has in corrupting the political process. Uh, And part of that might be, by the way, that none of them are politicians. None of them were in the political process. That's where I'm troubled by Citizens United. But to be honest with you, that that focus, which I have, and which some in the reform movement have have sort of reoriented themselves toward, uh, is, I believe, the only way we can address things. Because unless you have the right and the left in this country come together uh, to come up with a solution, you're not going to have a solution. So the right is not interested in things that limit free speech, including, by the way, speech that isn't necessarily oral, meaning speech with your resources. Mm -hmm. So that is a reality of politics right now. And the right is also not in favor of nationally or federally funded elections. So but but here's, the here's the thing, Here's
2: the thing. I know a lot of folks in D.C., right and left, and none of them likes raising money. Truthfully, right. they spend half to three quarters of their time in office looking for dollars, and everyone knows that if you want to rise up in the ranks of either party, you better know how to raise money. So if the politicians don't like it, and the citizens don't like it, and big corporations don't like being hit up for dollars, because, let's face it, no lobbyist can guarantee it's going to go their way. So there's just as many times it doesn't go their way and they've spent money and, you know, they didn't get the result they wanted. Where is the support coming from? What's fueling the continuation of this corrupt system?
3: Well, I, I think that part of it is that the system, you know, like anything, anytime a system is in place, dislodging it is difficult. The people who play this system, notwithstanding their, their protestations to the contrary, they're good at this system. Okay, so undoing this system, it's not just undoing the getting on the phone and raising money part, but undoing all of the perquisites that are inappropriate for members of Congress, including, by the way, their retirement plans, which for the most part are to become lobbyists. That's what we're talking about. You either clean it all up or you don't clean up any of it. As you mentioned earlier, taking it on piecemeal is a bit of a problem. So if that's the approach that you want to clean up the whole system, I don't believe you have so much support Inside the Beltway to do this. Outside the Beltway, 100%. I travel the country every week. I speak. I have yet to run into somebody who doesn't get this outside the Beltway. In the Beltway, they're in favor of it. And unfortunately, unless we come up with something that is going to pass muster ideologically on both sides, we're not going to be able to solve this problem.
2: I think what you're saying is that they may not like the system, but at least they're familiar with it and they know how to work it. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe that's the, you know, that's the difference is that you're comfortable with something you understand versus something that you may not understand and may not have control of. Now we have to take another break. When we come back, we're going to delve into a specific example of corruption, one that the media hasn't been paying enough attention to. You're listening to the Costa Report. Mm-hmm. listened. The new and improved paperback edition of The Watchman's Rattle is now available in bookstores everywhere, including airports across the country. If you've been hemming and hawing about not having time to go online or pick up a copy, well, now you don't have any excuses. Find out why government gridlock, terrorism, epidemic obesity, crime on Wall Street, even problems with education and health care have an evolutionary basis to them. Because when you do, you'll never look at our problems the same way. So pick up the freshly printed paperback edition of the watchman's rattle don't wait do it now give yourself a real reason to feel optimistic that's the watchman's rattle available everywhere you are
7: My name is Mickey Phelps here from Crown Cafe and Scotts Valley Market. I just wanted to let you know that Scotts Valley Market has some amazing prices on meat and produce and of course throughout the store. Jared and his crew from the meat department will be more than happy to cut a nice filet mignon to your liking. Also, Scotts Valley Market has an amazing hot food bar and also we make some of the best sandwiches in town, like the Irish. So folks, come on in and you'll find out that Scotts Valley Market has some amazing everyday deals. Also, at Scotts Valley Market, be sure to look for those yellow tags, that's where you're going to save a lot of money. And we'll be sure that we are very competitive with other grocery stores out there. What makes us different is that we are local and family owned. So come on in. And while you're there, be sure to ask for Mickey. And don't forget that if you need any catering, give Crown Cafe a call at 831-566-1425. 831-566-1425.
1: It is raucous. It is fun. So get up and go for it. Take the family. Take the friends. Take the entire neighborhood to the rip-roaring racing fun at Ocean Speedway in Watsonville. Friday night, it's Ocean Sprints Night, number 7, presented by Taco Bravo. And wow, we're racing 360 sprint cars, American stock, sports mods, wingless sprints, adults $17, seniors $16, kids $13, and... Get the entire family and for only $55. Details at OceanSpeedway.com. Ocean Speedway is located at the Santa Cruz County Fairgrounds, just two miles east of downtown Watsonville on Highway 152. Get up and go for the loud, rock rip-roaring, racing fun this Friday night at Ocean Speedway.
6: When was the last time you were happy with your body? If you're like most women, it was before you turned 40. That's because age 40 is when hormonal imbalance starts causing symptoms like hot flashes, sleeplessness, low energy, irritability, and lack of sexual desire. It's not your fault. And you don't have to let these symptoms reduce your quality of life anymore. Because now we have Amberin Ambarin is clinically shown to balance hormones and relieve the uncomfortable symptoms of menopause safely and effectively. In fact, amberin is so powerful, we guarantee you will love your body again. Right now, you can receive a guaranteed risk-free trial of Ambrin with a 30-day supply free. Call now and we'll send it to you today. 1-800-788-0028. And when you call right now, you'll also receive our amazing weight loss program for women over 40 absolutely free. But you have to call now at 1-800-788-0028.
2: That's Mm 1-800-788-0028. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Mr. Jack Abramoff. And before the break, we were talking about attacking the problem of money and powerful lobbying in our nation's capital from a systemic vantage point. Uh, I want to dive into a specific case of uh, Solomon Melgan and New Jersey Senator Menendez. Uh, But before we do, I'd like to know if you feel that the media may have fallen asleep at the wheel a little bit here. I'm a big believer that the media used to provide a valuable service called oversight and they were the objective eyes and ears for the american people but these days the mainstream media is owned and controlled by large corporate interests and in some cases like ge for instance the same companies who employ the powerful lobbyists uh, are the people controlling the media so there's a little bit of a conflict of interest there
3: yeah, I, I think you definitely see some of that. Obviously, it's hard to put your finger on it because they're not exactly running around bragging about it. But uh, there, there's no question about it that there's pressure at the major you know, networks and places that are owned by other big uh, corporations or where advertising comes into play to be very careful, and, and we constantly hear about stories of uh, investigative reporters being pushed back, et cetera. However, in today's world, we have lots and lots of other outlets, including this show, um, where the news gets out. There's so many investigative journalists in D.C., for example, that it's really almost impossible to keep a secret. So Eventually, these things come out. Where they go, we'll see. You know, Ultimately, whether or not a major network will pick it up because of concern about a sponsor or concern about the corporate interests. You know, other places do pick it up. And I think we have seen a lot of stories coming out, including the one we're about to talk about. That's uh, right. Senator Menendez's donor.
2: That's right. And and so for our audience today, uh, Solomon Meligan uh, is involved in a scandal that's unfolding daily, um, and uh, and we now know that he's not only provided contributions to uh, Menendez, but also um, seven hundred thousand dollars to Harry Reid's super PAC, and and he's running around flashing a picture of himself with Obama. So, what's your take on this?
3: Well, I mean, this is uh, this is an oft-repeated story uh, where somebody who has got interest in getting the government to do things for him, including, by the way, just having senators or congressmen make phone calls as we know that Menendez has done for him. Yes. And probably Harry Reid did. Uh, who knows? Harry Reid is actually, it's asti- Harry Reid to me is astonishing that he is able to continually somehow survive this. All around him are bodies falling. All around him are people who give him money or friends of his associates of his getting caught up in all sorts of illegal things, including just recently, one of them uh, was just either indicted or uh, recently pled. I mean, it's just constantly, he's able to somehow slip the news here which, uh, you know, I guess if you're a politician, you can admire something like that. But it's uh, bizarre. I mean, there was a developer, I guess, who was uh, just recently uh, pronounced guilty of illegal contributions to Reed. So with with Nugent and and these kind of guys, they will give money, they gain access, they become friends. I I know because I used to do this myself. Mm -hmm. Um, You become golfing buddies, travel buddies, meal buddies, uh, whatever buddies, raising money buddies the most important buddy for a member of Congress. Then you make a phone call and say, hey, look, I've got this going on. I, I have a problem. Do you think you could call over or have your office call over to this agency and ask about it, call this government and ask about it, you know, call over and do this and the other thing? The member of Congress usually will do it especially if it doesn't seem like a big deal or a big lift. However, when it starts spilling out into the public, as this thing has, and in fact is probably the subject of an investigation, there could be real trouble here for Menendez. But, but oh, let's
2: so be let's he realistic driving. here. This, this stuff goes on all the time. I, I w- certainly wasn't in government, but I was in corporate America, and if someone called up and says, look, I'm trying to get a job over at such and such, and you know them, can you make a call for me? I'd say, sure, I'll make a call. I mean, that happens every day, doesn't it?
3: Well, it does, but you're not a public servant. I mean, the difference is is these are public servants. And we want people, in in general in society, we want to be able to do each other favors. We want to do kindnesses for each other. The only trouble gets to be when it's a public servant. They cannot do that. Mm -hmm. It's called, ultimately, bribery again. When you give them something to do something for you, you ingratiate yourselves to them. It's a problem.
2: Well, this gets back to uh, someone the other day called in my show and said... uh, Well, I want politicians that are like me, like the man on the street. You know, I want them to to be down to earth. And I said, I don't. I want people that are better than me. (laughs) You know, I I might pick up and make a phone call, but I have no business running for office because uh, I like to be nice. I'm I'm a kind person. And I'm sure before I knew it, I'd pick up uh, the phone and make a call that I shouldn't make as a public servant.
3: Yeah. Well even the not nice ones do that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they just do it for other reasons. That's true. So uh is this trail of money with uh Solomon Melgan, is that gonna uh, is that quid pro quo gonna go all the way to the White House? What do you think? <laughs>
3: I don't know. I don't know. I have to be honest with you. I I really feel this White House has been immensely uncareful and and unbelievably insensitive uh, in terms of how they've approached these issues. They ran as an administration that wanted to be completely different, completely transparent, and we have seen nothing but these kind of things spelling out. So I don't know whether his particular trail will go there, but too many other trails are leading there, and in a way that really is very uncomfortable, and, by the way, makes the more progressive and liberal members of the reform coalitions unbelievably uh, antsy about this white house.
2: Well, you can't blame him. In the last election, well, the first time that Obama ran, he was collecting, you know, a few dollars here and there on the Internet. But this last time around, uh, he certainly was depending on large donors. And even Axelrod, he would shrugged and said, hey, that's just the way it is.
3: Yeah. Now, that, I think, was very disappointing to people in the reform community that, you know, that they've not only uh, given in, but they seem to be better at it than the Republicans in some respects. It's just very bizarre.
2: It is bizarre, and we certainly didn't see the kind of reform or uh, the word I like to use is restraint. We didn't see the restraint because the real control that we hope for, and I think you were alluding to this a little bit earlier, is self-control. You know, when we don't have self-control, we have to have the law step in. And then the law has to get more and more detailed and more and more complex because we've got to close up every possible loophole. But if you have self-control, you don't really need all that. And I think that, you know, that's uh, to a large degree what's missing. But. When things are done with a wink and a handshake on the, I use the golf course, you know, but let's say at a company picnic or, you know, on a sailboat or something, what proof is there really to connect that money with favor?
3: Well, it's very hard to do it, um, but the thing is, ultimately, a lot of these things do become public, and when you give somebody money, the campaign contribution gets recorded uh, when that check is given, and so often, these people just are not careful of <laughs> their own little schemes. You know, they'll give a check uh, a week after the congressman introduced a bill on their behalf, or they give a check a day after a phone call was made. So there are records of this, and there are plenty of people who look into it. It. and ultimately it comes out it doesn't all come out obviously a lot of them skate by but a lot of it comes out and the risk is there for them
2: now i would imagine as a lobbyist you're looking for uh, candidates or uh, political uh people that are holding political office that agree uh with your clients positions I mean, you would look for the low-hanging fruit people that might agree or might be favorable to your client's positions. So if they've already got sort of a track record that's consistent with what the client wants to do, it's going to be really hard to prove that they switched gears in the middle of the stream, isn't it?
3: Right, absolutely. In fact, most of the time when I was lobbying, we never would ask somebody to switch gears. We mm-hmm. just find those who are with us and get them active. So, it's not a question of looking for somebody to switch gears. It's looking at who has done what. And mm-hmm. by the way, again, a lot of the things that are done aren't necessarily traceable ever. They could be a, a conversation that took place at a company picket, picnic or at a government picnic. Right. It could be something that uh, that there is no record of, but fortunately for those who investigate this, there's plenty of records of plenty of it, and people are indeed looking into it.
2: That's correct. Well, we have to take our last break, and we'll be right back with Jack Abramoff. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars. Now, there's a number of ways you can taste wines at the tasting room. Talk to us a little bit about that.
8: Yeah, we currently have nine different wines on our tasting menu, and we really want it to be an experience where you get to taste the wine that you want to taste. So if you want to taste Pinot, you can really focus your flight around that. If you wanted to focus on... The bubbles, we have three different sparklings that will allow you to build your flight that way. Or if you came in and you just wanted to taste one wine, we would uh, have it set up for you to be able to do that as well. Now, what's a flight? A flight is basically a combination of small tastes of different wines. If you wanted to taste all of our different Chardonnays, you could taste the 2007 Chardonnay, the 2008, and the 2009, and we would line you up with an individual taste of each of them.
2: Thank you for being with us again, Scott.
8: Thank you, Rebecca.
5: I'm Amy Tobin, cookbook author and culinary expert. Strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and raspberries. Dole has a bounty of berries ripe for the picking. Fresh berries are not only delicious, but some of the most powerful disease-fighting foods available. Researchers have found that berries have some of the highest antioxidant levels of any fresh fruits. So add a handful or two of your favorite berries to your next meal and enjoy their nutritional benefits and natural sweetness in all of your dishes. From salads to desserts and everything in between. For fresh tips and ideas from Dole's berry experts, visit berries.dole.com. And be sure to check out the pages of mouth-watering recipes. Whether it's a sweet and savory blueberry cranberry chicken salad or a simple strawberry sorbet, Dole has the perfect berry to inspire your next berry dish.
4: Greetings folks, this is Randy the Realtor. Time is running out, the clock is ticking. This is probably the last year the government is going to waive taxes on debt forgiveness. If you're still upside down on your mortgage, you better make some important decisions soon, ones that you can live with. Whether it's your own home or whether it's an investment property, You need to figure it out. Give me a call so you know where to get the facts and make good decisions. 831-566-2590.
6: You. There's only one, and we exist because of you. To provide the care you need when you need it, Physicians Medical Group has over 300 providers just in Santa Cruz County. That's over 300 teammates focused on the one, the only, you. With over 42 specialties and 100 locations, you'll find the right provider for you. Find your teammate, your Physicians Medical Group care provider, by visiting our website, pmgscc.com
4: have a tea, we're going to do 25 now, 50 now, 75, we're going to go 300, 325, 353, 375, we're going to go 400, 425, 450. Imagine finding an old painting or chair or fishing lure or rummaging through the attic. Is it junk or is it hidden treasure? Hello, I'm Rob Slowinski of Slowinski Auctions and Appraisers in Scotts Valley. Before you throw that item out, you better make certain it's not hidden treasure and the way to do that is to join me at 2 p.m. Saturday afternoon here at KSCO for Hidden Treasures Radio Show. Put that item on the table in front of you and call the show. We'll figure out what that item is, where it came from, what it's worth, give or take. So don't throw that item out. Instead, join me, Rob Slowinski of Slowinski Auction Company, Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. for Hidden Treasures Radio Show. Is it junk? or is it hidden treasure?
2: Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa and my guest today is Mr. Jack Abramoff. Now, returning to the Melgan scandal for a moment, what would you like to see the Ethics Committee and FBI investigate that they may be missing right now?
3: Well, I, I think the FBI is likely investigating. I'm not sure they're missing much, but uh...
2: but from a lobbyist, I mean, you're an experienced lobbyist, probably the most experienced lobbyist that we have. And I am assuming they have not bothered to pick up the phone and call you. <laughs>
3: Well, I'm, uh, they wouldn't call me because, in this case, I mean, they have picked up the phone to call me on other things where I know the players. I, I don't know anybody. You know, I didn't lobby Menendez. I don't know how his operation works, but I assure you they are likely talking to plenty of people who do, and they're extremely thorough. I can tell you from the 2,000 investigations they had open in my case, and I cooperated and you know, was uh, saw what was going on. But uh, I, I think what they're looking at and what they need to be looking at, of course, is what actions were taken by Menendez or his staff? What actions did Menendez or his staff get other members to take that benefited uh, this gentleman and all of his companies and all of his associates? In other words, what is the full extent to which he cashed in on the relationship they had, number one? Number two, what was the fuel uh, here. What did he provide? Uh, was it travel money? Was it contributions? They're making, I assure you, a list of all of the financial benefits, all of the anything benefits that they provided, uh, that he provided to Senator Menendez and to his staff uh, and to his family. That's one of the other things they're going to be looking at is, did the Senator's family or even the extended family benefit with jobs, with opportunities, consulting arrangements, etc., within the Meldon Empire. So these are the kind of things I think they're looking at.
2: Do you think Harry Reid comes out of this uh, squeaky
3: clean again? Well, I don't know that he's come out of anything (laughs) squeaky clean, but he somehow comes through it. Uh, I think likely, and he's obviously covering for Menendez, uh, it it is astonishing that with a senator under this kind of investigation that they continue to permit him to head a major committee in the Senate, and this is in large part because of Harry Reid probably protecting him. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time with Harry Reid. There's such a repeat performance with him, with so many people, uh, with this kind of corrupt behavior. It's just a matter of time before his, his ticket is called.
2: Mm-hmm. And do you think the ethics committee and this current FBI investigation will uh, will involve Harry Reid? Because right now they seem to be stepping around him a little bit.
3: Um, you know, I don't I don't know about the uh, FBI doing that. I would. Find that very unusual. The people, again, that I encountered in public integrity uh, don't play politics. They basically didn't care who it was. They investigated everybody they had to. Uh, in terms of the Senate committee, it's obviously more difficult for them. They're investigating their boss. Um, so yeah, but know, we got suggest- seven
2: hundred thousand dollars—a check for seven hundred thousand dollars—from Melgan into Harry Reid's
3: super PAC.
2: Mm-hmm. That—that's mm-hmm. undeniable. Uh, no doubt that's public no record
3: at least there's no doubt there's at least smoke and there's likely lots of fire you know the question is what are they going to do well, I have to be honest with you the the committees in the house and in the senate the ethics committees have been fairly feckless for years uh, they haven't really had the kind of muscle or intent, it seems, or desire to go out there and uh, and do anything good. So it's left in the hands of the Justice Department and the FBI. What happens when it, by the way, gets from the FBI to the Justice Department is a different discussion. I don't know what happens at the upper echelons of the Justice Department where it becomes very political. The lower sort of trial attorneys are not, but you get up toward the uh, the main office, things become very political.
2: That's right. Now, do you have any guesses on how you think this is all going to come to a head? Because and we now seem to have these prostitutes recanting their stories and other people who had jumped on the bandwagon now suddenly remember something different.
3: Well, I unfortunately think it will probably end the same way that all of the Harry Reid investigations end, <laughs> which is nothing. <laughs> uh, you know, prostitutes recanting stories. I mean, this is so bizarre, it's beyond belief. You know, uh, but we
2: now have a member of Congress saying this is a plot by a Cuba. Like, uh, nato- well, you, you've read this, right? It's all over the yeah, internet. I He's know, come forward and he said this is a Cuban plot to uh, oh, uh, destroy Menendez.
3: I thought it was Martians who were worried that we're going to be <laughs> landing in six months to live there. I, You know, I mean, this is on its face. The problem is people inside the beltway, they don't see what the rest of the country sees when they look at them. I mean, this is why there's 5%, 4% approval ratings. This is why colonoscopies are more popular than the Congress, because (laughs) Because they act like this. They actually put these things out there as if people would take these seriously. I mean, it's astonishing.
2: Uh, It is astonishing. And I'm sure that the fact that you were able to step away has given you uh, an appreciation and a very new perspective on how the rest of the country uh, views what goes on in their nation's capital. How did that affect you?
3: Well, I mean, I kind of went through my own epiphany by myself without talking to anyone. I was under assault, so I did it kind of in the conference room of my attorney's office over months and months of reviewing my old emails and just deciding to be honest with myself. But once my book came out and I started traveling Mm -hmm. and I started hearing the feedback, (laughs) uh, I really, I didn't think I could, but I underestimated the anger and the absolute fits that people throw out there, uh, as they should, about what's going on in Washington. And, and it really didn't dawn on me, and I don't think people here, by the way, pay attention to these polling numbers, which really are shocking, about how unpopular they are. I think they just don't care, and they think, well, they're talking about somebody else. Well, no, they're talking about every one of you guys, and they mean it.
2: if I saw those polling numbers, I would offer to resign, well, I mean, would would you stick around in a job where you had, uh, you know, v- very poor approval ratings? No, I would say, you know, look, I gave it my best, and obviously I'm not doing the job the American people want me to do.
3: These guys don't quit. I mean, look at Bill Clinton in the height of the, the scandal with, the, uh, with Monica Lewinsky and all the rest when he was going to quit. And Hillary basically, according to the friends I have who worked in there, Hillary said, you're not quitting anything. I mean you know nobody's quitting anything and they don't quit they will You fight. know I, I don't because know why don't I,
2: I this is something that really bothers me and maybe as a both a businessman and a lobbyist and and having spent so much time in Washington DC I don't know why the American public doesn't draft a citizen that they know will go there and get the job done Why do they wait for people to throw their name in the hat because already the people that want to run already have such an ego that it's already gonna be a problem once they get there. You know, they they eat power for lunch. And if you really want somebody to go there and get the job done, you wanna you wanna draft somebody who doesn't want to go.
3: Yeah, no you're right. That's exactly right. You want somebody who wants to wants to go home like George Washington. You know, who doesn't want to stick around. But you know the problem is It is so seductive that even people who are of that mindset, when they get there, after a while, they turn over. I'll give you a really quick example. There was a congressman who was elected in 1994 from the South, and he... Came in and I became a lobbyist uh, at the end of '94. And I remember being told in 1995 that he wouldn't talk to lobbyists, he wouldn't allow a staff to talk to lobbyists, wouldn't accept money from lobbyists, etc. So I just wrote him off. We didn't have him on our list of people to go lobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got reelected in '96, he got reelected in '98. In 1999, by then I had built my uh, lobbying empire, I guess as it was, and I had tickets to all the ball games, all the best seats in town. I get a call from one of my staffers saying he wants to go sit on the floor in the so-called Jack Nicholson seats that I had on The Wizards, Michael Jordan, that night he wants to take his son. I said, you're mistaken. He doesn't talk to lobbyists. He said, yes, he does. He wants to go. I said, but I'm going that night. And I went that night with my son. There he was. This man who wouldn't talk to lobbyists, first thing out of his mouth was, So, Jack, tell me something about your clients. Now, that is the beginning of a conversation, by the way, that ends with, I'm having a fundraiser next week, and that's exactly how it ended. Now, here's a guy who came in not wanting to talk to lobbyists, and that's what he was doing. Okay,
2: now I'm getting very depressed. (laughs) i was hoping that i was hoping that the guy was going to shake your hand and say thanks so much really appreciate these tickets and uh hope i see you at the next golf tournament but we have nothing to talk about
3: well, I, I would tell you that even taking the tickets uh, was bad enough, but but this is what's going on in Washington, and it's and I don't care who they are. There are exceptions where you know the one or two people who don't become sort of corrupted by the system, but you're talking about 99% of them ultimately at some level get into the morass.
2: Well, and believe and it or not, yeah, on that note, we are out of time. Uh, I do want to let listeners know that you do have a website. Give that website to them so they can get more information about what you're doing.
3: Thanks. It's www.abramoff.com, A b r a m o f dot
2: That's all the time we have today. But before we say goodbye, I do want to thank you for the reforms you are helping to bring about in our country. Thank you, Mr. Abramoff.
3: Thank you so much.
2: If your station is leaving us after this first hour, my guest next week is Dr. Clem Brooks. Don't miss a riveting conversation with Clem Brooks next week right here on your favorite weekly news magazine, the only program you can trust to put principles ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for the second hour of the Costa Report when we hear what you have to say.
8: What does your website do for you? Does it simplify doing business and automate routine tasks? Does it connect with your target audience and bring new business? If you can't answer yes, then you need to contact Sunstar Media. Located on the Monterey Peninsula for over 17 years, Sunstar Media has developed websites for startups, brick-and-mortar stores, to corporations on the stock market. What makes Sunstar different is the customization that goes into every site, tailored to each client's unique needs and vision sunstar's experienced pros keep you ahead of the game with their custom fit development process for website applications that cater to your company's specific needs learn more at sunstarmedia.com mention you heard this ad on the rebecca costa show and get a free web analysis report on your current site or a free web consultation for your next project let's discuss how sunstar can help you reach out to us at sunstarmedia.com
1: The original Stagnaro family has been in business since 1879. The Stagnaro name stands for quality, quantity, and great service. The family's Gilda's Restaurant on the Santa Cruz Municipal Wharf is still the fishing headquarters of the Santa Cruz area. It's where fishermen gather each morning for coffee and breakfast before heading out on the bay. Stop by Gilda's and say hi. Dino looks forward to meeting you at Gilda's on the center of the Santa Cruz Municipal Wharf.
8: This Sunday on Eat, Drink, Explore Radio, celebrity chef Susan Feniger explains how to use the tropical jackfruit in place of meat. Also explaining California's complex liquor laws and some unusual restrictions at local wineries and breweries. Get the latest food, beverage, and travel news Sunday mornings from 8 to 10. It's all live right here on KSCO AM 1080. Eat, Drink, Explore Radio, your lifestyle information source.
1: From San Jose to Salinas, Red Hot News Talk, AM 1080, KSCO, Santa Cruz.
0: Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com.